You're listening to the Trust Issues Podcast. I'm David Puner, a Senior Editorial Manager at CyberArk, the global leader in identity security. Remember QR codes before COVID? They were kind of a consumer novelty that never quite achieved long-lasting smart device liftoff. Just a few years ago, you still needed to use a third-party app on your smartphone to scan a QR code and get it to do its thing, which didn't seem worth the hassle when you could just type in a URL. But maybe that was just me. With the rise of the contactless era, the little black and white grids emerged from relative obscurity to replace everything from restaurant menus, to store discounts, to subway station ads. Governments around the world have embraced them to facilitate contact tracing and vaccination status verification. They've become today's business card, conference leave behind, and virtual payment option. QR codes are accessible, easy to produce, and seemingly here to stay. They're also a perfect way for cyber criminals to steal your personal information. And as of now, it seems like there isn't widespread understanding about that. On today's episode, we welcome back Len No. He's CyberArk's technical evangelist and white hat hacker. And if you listen to Trust Issues Episode 2, you'd know that he's also our own resident cyborg or transhuman, if that's more your jam. You should check out the episode. It's pretty enlightening. Today, though, we're talking about QR codes, also enlightening. It seems pretty simple, but it also feels like most folks don't know how QR codes are being used by criminals to wreak havoc. Innovation promotes innovation, after all. So we talk about that. And we talk about what you can do to protect yourself. Here's my talk with Len. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for coming on a second time. You're our first repeat guest, and uh, episode two was was very popular. And, and I I got really carried away in that episode. In that I was so excited to, to get going on transhumanism and AI and and all that kind of stuff that that I never had a chance to ask you what you do. You're a technical evangelist and white hat hacker. What does that mean, and what do you do? What does that mean and what do I do? Uh, I do a lot of public speaking. I do a lot of research. And it's my job to kind of show the attack landscape from a cyber arc perspective in, in real world terms. So I do a lot of real life attacks showing how those attacks would actually either be stopped, mitigated, or prevented based on the cyber arc stack of technology. Uh, I'm a very, very blessed person. It's given me the opportunity to present a lot of information. At, I think I'm up to 29 different countries since starting at CyberArk. So it's been an amazing journey. And it's it's honestly, this is the first time I've ever had not had a job, you know, because, you know, they if you've ever heard that ex- old expression, you know, you don't if you love what you do, you never go to work. So mm-hmm. I'm, I feel very fortunate. I, I don't go to work. I, I love what I do. I, and I love the company that I work for. You mentioned the 29 countries since you've been working for CyberArk. I know you've just been 
on the road, as it were. Where have you been and, and where are you just back from and, and why were you on the road? I've been over the course of the last two months. Let's see. I've been in Paris, France. I've been in Rome, Italy, was in Boston for our impact. Uh, did a South American tour in Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, and Brazil, and just got back from our uh, APJ mid-year kickoff in Bangkok, Thailand last Friday. So it's it's been a lot of travel and a, just an amazing journey. To be honest, the way that we have, the reception that we've been getting post lockdown has just been phenomenal. The, the attendees at all of the sessions have been so eager and just engaging. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we've been locked down for so long. But it, it's been just awesome being back on the road and live and in person again. And it's not just great for us. I mean, we see the responses in the people that are attending our events. And, you know, it's good to be getting back to normal again. So you've been on the road. Is a lot of what you're talking about QR codes these days? Yeah. Yeah, I've, the QR response has been just absolutely phenomenal. From the point that the the blog was put up, this research has just taken on a, an entire life of its own. Uh, I know it got picked up by Forbes. We were picked up in La Parisienne. Uh I'm going to probably mispronounce this, but I think it's called Nikkei or Nikkei newspaper in Japan. Uh, I just did two more interviews with the Thai media while I was uh, in Bangkok. So yeah, the QR code stuff has just been just blowing up. And the, the fact is it's something that affects both consumers as well as enterprise. I mean, this is one of those threats that's pretty much across the board in terms of, you know, who's a target. And so the blog post you're referencing is on the CyberArk blog, of course. It's called Step Away from the QR Code and Read These Seven Safety Tips. And a lot of what we're going to talk about here, if folks want to do a little bit of a deeper dive, they can go to that blog post. There's also a link in that blog post to a webinar that you've done on this subject. So to get to the the, the meat of it with, with QR codes, as we know, over the course of the pandemic, the QR codes seem to uh, have a little bit of an explosion in popularity prior to the pandemic. And, and, and you know, I, I think that I'm probably among the majority here, but I thought the QR code was kind of just like a marketing gimmick and it was kind of set to pasture. And, and, and when it was at its best, it was kind of lame. Am I wrong? Prior to the pandemic? No, you're really not. I mean, realistically, QR codes have been around for almost 30 years. You know, they were originally designed uh, by the Japanese automotive company Denso Wave. And prior, like you said, typically just a kitschy kind of marketing thing outside of APJ, not a lot of heavy adoption in EMEA, but you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, if you take a look at the blog post, uh, there's actually a slide where you can actually see the statistics of QR adoption prior to the COVID outbreak and then post COVID outbreak. And it just goes through the roof. And the problem with that is, is we were in a situation where we needed to find some way of doing contactless transactions. Mm -hmm. And due to that, we saw a lot of heavy pushes from regulatory agencies, governments saying, use this, use this, use this. 
And the problem is, is they didn't really look at the fact that these particular little funny boxes have the exact same capabilities and characteristics of a hyperlink in a spam email. You know, I've been saying all along, when it comes to advertisements with QR codes, these are physical forms of spam email. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't ask for it. And I really think if people try to frame it in the same way that we've framed the context of our email training campaigns, if this particular advertisement showed up in your spam inbox, would you click it? Right. You know, and that's the, the link that we really need to try to make. I guess a prime example, and, and you can probably tell me some other prime examples as we get into it, but um, we get back to, to restaurants and you sit down at a table and you've got the QR code on the table to order. How can that go wrong and what should you be looking for? Because this experience obviously is only getting more popular as, as time goes by. Well, before we get into the restaurant, the one that yeah. I'd like to showcase before that, you know, is our Super Bowl a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Okay. You know, that one was the one that really kind of started me thinking about this whole concept. This was that uh, advertisement where there was just a QR code in the screen that it. was bouncing around yeah. and nobody knew what it was for. Nobody knew what it was, mm-hmm. you know, and that QR code, which happened to be for uh, a cryptocurrency broker, was hit 20 million times in one minute. Wow. And nobody knew where it was going. <laughs> You know, when it comes to, you know, the idea of the menus, that has been something that's been going on since the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, in my actual uh, blog post, you know, I actually threw up two menus side by side and the, the words on the deck slide are, can you tell the difference? Which one's safe? And the truth is, by looking at them, you really can't tell. You know, personally, I will not scan them. And one of the things that I've been really trying to push is we need to start asking and demanding more accountability from marketing departments around the world. You know, we live in a zero trust world. And if we break down what zero trust means, it's trust but verify. How am I supposed to verify when you're just giving me a QR code? You know, I'm not anti-QR. I'm Mm -hmm. anti-irresponsible QR. So if you give me a QR code and then you give me the link that I'm supposed to be getting redirected to, so that way if I scan it, I can validate that I'm going where I'm supposed to, that's something different. You know, so I'm not saying that, you know, all QR codes are bad by any means. Uh, One of the other things that I wanted to point out is the fact that I'm, when it comes to this particular concept, I'm strictly trying to focus around the redirection aspects of QR codes, not tokenization or authentication, Mm -hmm. you know, but from an advertising perspective, we really do need to start demanding that point of reference for a source of truth. And I mean, one other example is over, I I don't know if it was either in Hong Kong or if it might've been in Bangkok, but somewhere over in APJ within the last month. And if you'd like, I can, get you the reference so we can include this in the in the sub notes there was a drone swarm that was actually utilized to create a giant three-dimensional qr code in the air and once again we were back to another situation where everybody on that was close was scanning this thing and being redirected somewhere with no idea where they were going and we would never do that in an email situation or you know any type of corporate environment that we've been accustomed to so why are people so comfortable doing this? Why is there such uh, little awareness for 
for this issue. And is there ever a time when somebody sh- would be okay to actually scan a QR code where there isn't a URL listed below it? Okay. Why do I think it's happening? A lot of that, I think, is because of the pressure from the pandemic and the force for contactless transactions. Mm -hmm. We were in the middle of a situation where we were trying to make sure that people weren't going to be passing an infection. This seemed like the right idea at the time. And the fact that it was pushed so heavily by the CDC, the government, even when it comes to like COVID vaccination passports, these things were all keyed back into that QR system due to that remote contactless technology. So I think just through the use and the circumstance, we've been led to falsely believe that these particular pieces of technology are safe. But anyone who's deep into security is going to realize you're just basically activating a hyperlink redirect. At some point, we're going to get into what people should be uh, Absolutely. on the lookout for and, and what they can do to, to keep themselves safe and best practices around QR codes. But what are some of the, you know, what are some of the things that are happening when, when people uh, oh. scan QR codes that are, I guess, rigged QR codes or, or you know, whatever oh, you may wow. call them, scam QR codes? Sure thing. I mean, here's a couple of real world examples. In China, scammers place fake parking tickets on illegally placed cars. Tickets actually contained a QR code and instructions to use the code to pay via a mobile payment app. And just to even make it more convincing, the fraudulent account set up to receive the payment actually used profile photos of real police officers. Wow. Here in my home state of Texas, Criminals started putting stickers with malicious QR codes on the city parking meters in Austin, San Antonio, and Houston, you know, and these were basically quick pay for parking. And And people would click through or they would scan them and end up on a site that looked similar to what the real site would look like. Yeah, exactly. And then they thought they were actually paying for parking. And the truth is they were just giving money to a scammer. In the Netherlands, there was a very large mobile bank that actually allowed their customers to use a QR code to set up a secondary mobile device to access their account. Scammers looked for that particular those customers who were selling things online, obtained their account numbers, supposedly so that they could actually pay them for like a Facebook market or like a Craigslist type of purchase. Mm-hmm. Then they used their own version of that app installed on their own device generated the QR code and then scanned that sent that QR code to the seller saying I need you to scan this to complete the transaction. And in doing so they would actually give the attacker access into their actual bank account. So the amount of QR code scams that have been going on around the world has tripled since the point of the pandemic just because people have that false sense of security that these are actually safe. You mentioned that Super Bowl ad uh, a couple minutes ago. Is mm-hmm. that something that you think today could still and would be approved and happen? And if so, would there have to be you know some sort of other things involved in that ad? It just seems that we're we, we've you know as a whole seem to be kind of blind to to what's going on here. Well, due to the the reach of this particular research, you know we're actually starting to see more marketing departments being held accountable for that source of trust. You know, I've seen, especially since this article dropped, where I'm actually seeing a lot more QR codes with the associated URL provided in advertising literature. You know, unfortunately, 
there is no antivirus. There's no ED, EDR software. There's nothing you can put on a device that's going to actually be able to do any type of detection because they're not going to be able to extrapolate that information out of the QR code. I mean, one of the attacks that we've been seeing out in the wild lately is people who are emailing corporate users QR codes in the body of an email. Because the, like I said, the EDR, the antivirus, nothing's actually going to do anything to that QR code. It's making it inside the enterprise. And then these users are, are physically scanning them with their mobile devices. So, so whereas like a bad link, a spam link, a phishing link, something yeah. like that could be caught by that software. If somebody's sending a phishing email of sorts and it's got that QR code in it, that antivirus software is not Correct. going to spot that. Correct. That is an issue. This is not going to be a situation that's going to be able to solve, be solved through sec application security or device security. This is going to have to be something that is a mindset change for the individual user, along with trying to force accountability from marketing agencies around the world to actually give us more than what they've given us in the past. What type of things are, are happening to people who are falling prey to malicious QR codes? Oh, a lot of it is around financials. Mm. If you take a look in the crypto world, the idea of, of crypto scams and, and being having your cryptocurrency stolen, very common. We're seeing a lot of phishing emails around QR codes, and we've seen a ton of disinformation being distributed via QR codes. Here in the U.S., there's been quite a few incidents where during the COVID pandemic, you know, if you go to a testing facility, there would be QR codes to scan to try and gain additional information in regards to the COVID pandemic. We've seen numerous instances where somebody will actually walk up and place a sticker over the original QR code. And then when people scan it, it, it would take them to disinformation sites. Wow. They're very easy to use. And unlike when it comes to, say, a hyperlink in an email, all you need is a printer. And you can just print a sticker, put it over an existing legitimate QR, and you can do anything you want. So it's almost like a physical man in the middle. What can people do that's not going to take them, you know, 10 minutes extra time? Like, what should the well, reflex become? To be honest, you know, I, I kind of take issue with that last sentence, David, because okay. when it comes to the amount of time that it takes to be safe, I really don't think we should put something on it. We need to remember, like I said before, these are physical forms of spam email. If you wouldn't click on this, if it was in your spam inbox, why are you scanning it? You didn't ask for this information. Maybe it's something you are interested in. You know, if... What's the harm of actually Googling the product and going to that product's manufacturer directly? You know, is it worth it to scan the QR code? You know, and that I think is the number one first thing we need to do is just slow down and be aware of the situation and actually look at it through, you know, non-jaded or non, how shall we say, social distancing eyes. There was a time when, you know, during the pandemic that, you know, there was that line in the sand and there was a lot of, you know, concern about people's health. We are not in that situation anymore at this particular junction. 
we need to start looking at the technology as a technology again, instead of just a life-saving measure. Because I do believe that we've given way too much priority to these based around the potential hazards that were being attempted to be alleviated through the use of this technology. So you are not saying don't click on QR code or don't scan QR codes at all. You're just saying be a lot more careful. And in being careful, what are the basic things that, yes. that you can do? We need to use every technology responsibly. I don't care if it's email. I don't care if it's SMS. I don't care if it's QR codes. You know, attackers and bad actors are out there. We, they know what they're doing and they're going to prey on the ignorance of the general populace. So slow down. You know, take a look at the QR code links. This is a big one. Pretty much any common device from a tablet to a cell phone that's been made within the last two to three years, when you scan a QR code, it's not going to automatically take action. It's going to ask you, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. Do I want to open this link or do I want to copy the link? Look at the link. If you're going to, if you're scanning, say, a CyberArk you know, QR code on one of our pieces of literature and the URL that comes up in your browser says, you know, short link bitly or, you know, something that doesn't have anything to do with CyberArk. This is your first clue that this could be an issue. I'm not saying that it is, but it could. And this is where taking responsibility for our own individual security and our identities and how we want to be safe comes into play. There are companies that use URL shorteners. Personally, if it's not something that I can immediately identify, I won't use the QR code. Once again, this is the reason where, from a marketing perspective, we need to know where that QR code is taking us so that if I don't feel comfortable you know, typing or scanning that QR code, I can still navigate to where I need to go if I'm interested in that information. Mm -hmm. The other option would be to just straight up Google the company CyberArk. And, you know, if it's a QR code to listen to this podcast, you know, type in to Google, you know, CyberArk, Trust Issues, Podcast, Lenno, David Puner. You'll find us. You know, QR codes are meant to be easy, but anything that is typically easy does not necessarily mean secure. Speaking of that, with that example, did you notice at Impact in Boston, in July, did you notice our poster, which also happens to be right over my shoulder, um, was definitely thinking of you when I uh, put the URL under that QR code. This oh, I was so happy to see that. <laughs> I mean, I have gotten so many dirty looks from from people on uh, vendor floors where I'm walking. I, I will walk up to everybody on the on the vendor floor and be like, you know, that's not that's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. And this is why. Right. You know, so, yeah, I, I it's kind of like a, a personal crusade for me. And when I see things like, you know, especially like the adoption from CyberArk, you know, it shows that, you know, we do care about people's safety and we do care about security and we're giving them that source of trust. So they know that when they scan something from us, they're going where they're supposed to. Right. What about third party QR code apps? Could they be a better choice than using the, the just the camera app that's on your phone? Honestly, no. Pretty much. The only time I would suggest using a QR code app is if you're using a device that is old enough to where it doesn't have that functionality built into the standard camera. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Anytime you're adding a third-party app, you not you don't necessarily know what's in that app. So you're mm-hmm. adding an additional layer of complexity. Unless you have a specific need for functionality that doesn't come out of the box, stick with the default. Mm-hmm. It's not going to do you any better or worse. All you're going to do is open one more door. And what about if somebody has been hacked successfully via QR code? I'm sure there's all sorts of different things that could happen to the device or them for that matter. But what can what should they do if, if that's happened and how will they know? Well, see, that is the, you know, the million dollar question mm-hmm. due to the fact that there are so many different attacks. It's very, very difficult to know unless the adversary does something that's going to actually alert you to the fact that you've been breached. If it's just a, an information grab, you may not ever find out. If it's somebody's trying to ransomware your, your mobile device, yeah, you'll figure that out pretty quickly as soon as you turn it on and it says pay me or I, you can't get in. Uh, if you're being used as part of a crypto mining scheme, again, you'd see you might notice your device running slowly. You know, unfortunately, there is no real one answer in regards to how to detect if you've been compromised. You know your device. If it's acting funny, you should know. I mean, you know the behaviors of your own devices. Uh, if you're actually compromised, this is where things start getting really tricky. In the case of credential theft, if you're using any type of device, on-device applications, banking applications, business applications, if they have a local credential store, there is the potential that those particular accounts could get compromised. This is where, you know, I've mentioned the the word identity quite a few times in here, and this is where having some type of multi-factor authentication to actually limit the escalation and lateral movement that may be able to be done as a result of any compromised credentials comes into play. You know, I multi-factor everything. So even if they manage to get on my device, they get the usernames, they're still not necessarily going to be able to actually execute anything with those stolen credentials. Even when we're dealing with QR codes on a, like a personal device, the same concepts of defense in depth and a layered security approach apply just as much to the individual as they do to a corporate entity. If you want to go even deeper on QR codes with Len, you can check out Len's webinar called QR Codes in the Post-Pandemic World. And you can find that via the CyberArk blog from the uh, the article called, or the blog post that is called Step Away from the QR Code and read these seven safety tips authored by Len. Len, is there any kind of testing that you perform on a rolling basis around QR codes? Yeah, actually, this goes right into one of the answers in regards to you know mitigation strategies. And that's pick a certain circumstances that QR codes are not going to be used for like draw a line in the sand in terms of I don't will not use QR codes to do this. Uh, One of the great examples for that is adding your your device to a Wi-Fi network. We're seeing this a lot over in Europe right now, especially in hotels, where rather than giving you a username or a captive portal to actually log into the hotel Wi-Fi, they just want you to scan a QR code and it'll take care of authenticating you to the to the, the wireless network. You have no idea what you're, you're signing into. Uh, to that point, one of the things that I like to do when I go to a lot of these conferences that I speak at is I'll print off about 25 business cards 
and whatever the conference is, I'll, I'll get their lo official logo and I'll put a QR code on the business card. And above that, I'll put the text that says conference Wi-Fi. And then I'll just throw them around the conference and <laughs> they scan the QR code. It doesn't attach them to a Wi-Fi. It actually takes them up to a website that's just got a hit counter on it. And because we're CyberArk and we're GDPR compliant, no, I am not saving any <laughs> customer data of any kind. Uh -huh. All it does is it's a single hit counter with, and when you get to the page, it says you really should be aware of what you're scanning. Mm. The minimum amount I've ever gotten was eight out of 25. And the most I've ever gotten was 18 out of 25. So even at security conferences, you know, we're still not actually taking the security measures we need. And I think just getting more information out around QR codes we need to use them responsibly. And we've said that so many times during this interview, but it's something that I just can't stress enough. Wow. Yeah. The irony of it being at security conferences, really, really eye-opening stuff. Anything else about this particular topic of QR codes that you want to, um, you want to get into this, this particular conversation? The, the last couple of points is, you know, I have seen a lot of utility companies now including QR codes on a lot of their, their invoices and bills. Mm. I am one of those people that will tell everybody navigate directly to the website or use the, if you're, your electric company or your utility company has their own dedicated app, use that. Mm -hmm. And finally, don't use QR codes as a shortcut to downloading applications from either the App Store or the Android Marketplace. Use the correct app stores or markets for your appropriate device and don't take those shortcuts because there have been numerous you know, incidents in the wild where people are actually pulling down copies of those marketplace pages and actually supplying Trojans as opposed to the actual APKs or application files. So just basically, I mean, if you look at what we tell people in, in corporate environments, assume breach, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, on a personal device, you know, assume that somebody's trying to get in. And the last thing I want to point out to that is this part of this conversation I have had with more people than I can count. Len, I don't have anything on my device that anybody would want. <laughs> you know, I hear right? this all, oh, I hear this all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, people are like, oh, you know, I'm not worried. I don't have anything on my device. You know, it's not always about what's on your device. You know, and these are the things that I, I wish people would realize. We, you could be used as part of a larger proxy chain in a large-scale attack. So I could basically route my traffic through you and make it look like you were the one that was actually doing the bad deeds. And then you have to try and deal with the, the authorities to, to clear your name. You know, I could use you as a counterfeit, identity theft, information theft. Please, just because you're not some type of a, a Fortune 100 company, please don't think that somebody gaining access to one of your technical devices does not provide them an advantage and put you at risk, because it does. Len, it is always illuminating speaking with you, and I'm sure you'll be on again as a tease, uh, potentially. Are there, there? Do you have any new uh, implants of note that you'd like to mention now, or are we going to save those for sometime down the road? Well, as a tease, uh, I, I know the last time we talked, we were discussing my peg leg, which is the Raspberry Pi Zero that I was putting in my leg. God, that goes. Uh, I, uh, I've been doing a lot of work with that 
and we had a couple of failures in the bioencapsulation and some issues with the indirect charging system. But we managed, I did manage to get the indirect charger working and I just shipped off four more prototypes to the uh, company that's doing the medical bioencapsulation for me. And they're going to go ahead and seal those up and we're going to get them tested. And as soon as they, they pass QA, uh, I've already got uh, my, my installer waiting for me. And at that point, we'll have the Cali in the leg and we'll see how, uh, how much fun it is trying to get through an airport at that point. You do not seem like a man who is heavily jet lagged at this moment, but um, really appreciate you coming on here to talk about QR codes and um, always a pleasure. Absolutely, David. Thank you very much for having me back. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Trust Issues. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question, comment, constructive comment, preferably, but, you know, it's up to you. Or an episode suggestion, please drop us an email at trustissues at cyberarc.com. And make sure you're following us wherever you listen to podcasts. 